And again, our emphasis today is on verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, as we, cons- as we consider this last petition of the Lord's Prayer, I want us also to consider a couple people in the Bible from whom we can learn a great deal about temptation. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think that's a better translation, by the way, than merely deliver us from evil, but deliver us from the evil one. And we'll see this as we go further into the sermon. The first example for us, though, is is to consider the apostle Peter. Jesus told Peter at the, at the, toward the end of his ministry that the, that the devil wanted to sift, it him, sift him like wheat. But Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. And because of the deep love that Peter had for Jesus, he made a bold and audacious claim that he was willing to die for him if necessary. But Jesus knew that it was the Father's will that he go to the cross and offer himself as our atoning sacrifice. Peter did not understand the Father's will at that point, and he was not apparently yet willing to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as they go into the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told the, the disciples to wait at a certain place, and then he took Peter and James and John a little bit further into the garden where they could pray in privacy. And after praying for a little while, he comes back and he finds the three sound asleep. And he gives them this warning. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He tells them to pray exactly what he taught them to pray. Lead us not into temptation. And what happens next to Peter? (laughs) Jesus goes back to praying. He falls asleep again. And then Judas and the guards show up. They show up to arrest Jesus. and, And Peter, we find out from one of the writers of the Gospels, Peter is the one that drew his sword and lunged at one of the guards, chopping off his ear. And Jesus heals the man and rebukes Peter. After that, the the disciples scatter as they take Jesus into custody. Only John walked along with him, but Peter is the only other one that follows, but from a safe distance. And if you know the story, you probably remember that he was asked three times if he was one of his followers. And each time, in, in growing intensity, Peter denied him finally denying him vehemently. Oh, Peter, if you had only prayed as Jesus taught you to pray, he gave you everything you needed in order to stand, and yet he fell. Today, I hope that we will grow in our understanding of temptation. And more importantly, we will grow in our ability to see how God enables us to be conformed more and more into the likeness of Christ even by the means of trials and temptations. Most of us probably only have a, you call it a partial understanding of temptation. 
when we hear the word, we, we automatically think that it means tempted to sin. However, let's, let's consider what Jesus said we are to pray. And if there's a, another aspect to temptation that I think we need to understand, Jesus says that we are to ask God, that we are to ask God, lead us not into temptation. That we, in the book of James, we read that when we are tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. And we'll look at that later in more detail. So why would Jesus tell us to ask God to do something that He says He won't do? Also, we're told about Jesus' temptation, and we'll also look at that more in a little bit. Do you realize or do you remember how it was introduced to us? In Matthew 4 and verse 1, we read, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, wait a minute. James says that God does not tempt you. And yet we're told that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the, into the desert to be tempted. Obviously, we need to make sure we understand what temptation means. There's not a conflict here. They don't contradict each other. We just need to increase our, our understanding. Because in our day, the word tempt is almost always a bad word. It almost always is, is, is used meaning that we are being enticed to do evil. And it certainly can mean that. But in the Bible, the word all, is also translated as being tested. It certainly can mean that a person is enticed to do something evil, something wrong, but it also can be, mean, can be translated and mean is as being tested by God. For example, in Genesis 22, God commanded Abraham to do something rather extraordinary. He commanded Abraham to take his only son, the son that God had promised him that he would have, even in old age, you're going to have a son, and from that son, you will become the father of many, of multitudes. Now take your son and sacrifice him to me on this mountain that I'll show you. And at the beginning of this story, the chapter starts with these words, God tested Abraham. That same word can be translated as God tempted Abraham. Did he tempt him to evil? No. It means God tested Abraham, and in the process of testing him, he strengthened Abraham's faith. It proved that Abraham's faith was strong, just as a, a metal is tested by fire and tested by all kinds of different uh, forces upon it to test its strength. So also this word can mean just that. And this is what God was doing with Abraham, wasn't it? He wasn't tempting him to do evil. God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice his son. It was to test his faith, to prove his faith, to, to demonstrate Abraham's loyalty to God. So through this, we learn, I think, a very important truth about temptation that we need to remind ourselves of often. Temptation is not designed to make us fall. Temptation is designed to make us stronger. 
Temptation is not designed by God to make us fall into sin, but to test us and make us stronger, to make us be more and more conformed into the likeness of Christ. Now, if we fail and if we fall, it's our fault. Peter could not blame Jesus when he denied him three times. Jesus warned Peter of what was coming, and he told Peter to pray so that he would not fall. But Peter gave in to the flesh. He chose to sleep instead of choosing to pray. The temptation that Peter faced, and, and even his fall into sin, God used that in Peter's life to strengthen him and to increase his faith. So you see, temptation doesn't always mean to entice to sin. But it can also mean to test the strength of something. God does not tempt us to sin, but He will test us in order to prove our faith, to prove that it is real, to purify us, and to increase our faith. And so that leads to the next question. What's the source? What's the source of temptation? And we've already seen that the Holy Spirit will occasionally lead us into temptation as a test of our strength and to prove the validity of our faith. But He will not tempt you to sin. The Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tested and proven to be the Son of God. But the devil tempted Him with evil. Turn to Matthew 4, in fact, just a couple chapters before this. Matthew chapter 4, at the beginning of this, we already saw verse 1, that what the Holy Spirit was doing. But look at verse 3. The devil says, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So what's the test? Are you the Son of God? Are you really the Son of God? Now, where does that come from? Well, you back up a few, a few verses, back up into chapter 3. In, Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. Now, we're not going to read the whole account, but I want you to just notice what God the Father declares from heaven in verse 17. God declares, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. The Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tested, to be proven true, to be verified as the son of God. The Spirit led Jesus to be tested. The devil seized the opportunity to entice him to sin. God intended it for good. The devil intended it for evil. When Jesus pray, teaches us to pray about temptation, He is teaching us a great principle. God will test your faith in order to increase it. The enemy will use those tests to entice you to sin. So we must pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Deliver us from the evil one. We're asking God to be faithful to His promise to preserve us. Don't let us fall. Make us stronger. And so we have two sources of temptation. We can say that God will tempt us only as a means to strengthen our faith, to test us, as He did with Abraham and many others. However, He does not tempt us to sin. Clearly, the source of those temptations is our enemy. So we pray for deliverance from the evil one. There's one more source, though, that we must consider. Turn to James chapter 1. We referenced earlier. 
James 1. Let's start with verse 12. James says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Trials and tests, temptations, increase our ability to persevere, he says. They come from the hands of our sovereign king who loves us and grants us the crown of life, just as he promised. But when we're in the midst of the test, we must remember verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Trials are meant to test the strength of our faith, and they come from him. But the enticement to sin has a different source. God does not tempt anyone. But James says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So what's the source of the temptation to sin? We cannot just blame the devil, can we? And some of us were kids, there was a famous comedian uh, that used to have a, a line, the devil made me do it. And Christians loved it. We love to blame somebody else. And certainly he is to blame for a lot of the evil that we, that we face. But we must accept personal responsibility for our sin. Think again, as I've referred to this so many times in previous sermons, think again of King David, a man after God's own heart, God says. He falls into temptation. He sees the temptation, the beautiful woman taking a bath on the roof of her home. He sees it. He does not resist it. He acts on it. He's enticed by this sin, and he acts, and it practically destroys him. No one can say it's God's fault. No one can say with every temptation it's the devil's fault. We must accept personal responsibility. Sometimes the attack of temptation does come from the outside. We live in a world that is a broken, evil mess. And sometimes there are people that are out outside that will influence us toward evil. And we, we know that. We have fallen prey to that so many times, right, in our own lives. We have, we have associated with people. We've become close friends with people, or, or they're just merely associates of ours. And, and because of what's going on, we just fall right along with them. Sometimes, yes, the temptation comes from the outside, and it's easy to be influenced toward evil. And we must protect our homes from such influences. But we must not blame all temptation, all temptation on the outside. James says that we sin because of the evil desires in our own heart. In every one of us, there are weak points. Your weak point may not be the same as mine or another person sitting around you, but we are all vulnerable in some way or in several many ways, possibly. We have weak points. The beauty of this realization is that God also knows our weak points. He orders our steps. He leads us. 
into the desert so that we can be tested and strengthened. He is at work in us. And the temptations we face can either be used for good to make us stronger or used for evil and fall to them. So what's the answer? If we're so weak and our enemy is so strong, what can we do? What's the answer to to temptation and how do we stand against it? Well, obviously, the first thing that we are to do is exactly what Jesus taught us to do. And what he told Peter to do, we must pray. And and I know for many that sounds so basic and maybe even childish to some, but that's only because we don't believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's what, how Paul concluded his prayer for the Ephesians as he was exalting the magnificence of God. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, but we are commanded to ask. We are commanded to pray for the strength to stand. He certainly doesn't want his children to fall. He tells us to pray that we would be delivered from the evil one. He calls us to pray that we would be able to to stand up under temptation. There's also some other practical things that we can do when we're in the midst of uh, times of testing. We also ought to let someone else know. Let our brother or sister know that we, someone that we we know we can trust, that isn't going to gossip about us, isn't going to hold us against it, hold it against us. Someone that we know that is godly, that we can ask, This is a weak point of my life. Will you please help me? Pray for me. Hold me accountable. We need brothers and sisters like that. Men, you need brothers like that. Ladies, you need women like that. This is an area of life where I would strongly recommend men don't ask a friend that's a lady to be that kind of accountability for you. Find another man that you can trust. And ladies, the same thing. In our areas of weakness, We must protect ourselves from even greater temptations. But we must seek the the strength that the body can give us. The body of Christ is a wonderful source of, of strength for us. We can encourage one another and build one another up and hold one another accountable. Utilize the strength, one of the strengths that God has given to you. Acknowledge your weak points to a brother or sister. Another obvious thing that we can do is to avoid the circumstances that will put us in the position where we know uh, we are weak. In the Old Testament, think of the, the great example of Potiphar's wife. She was trying to, just, to seduce Joseph, and what does he do? He doesn't stick around and try to share the gospel with her in hopes of change her. He flees. He runs from the circumstance. You know your own weaknesses. As much as you are able... Get out of the situation that will lead you into sin or make it more enticing to you. If you cannot avoid this circumstance, then hopefully you've already enlisted several close friends that will pray for you and hold you accountable. I think there's some circumstances in work that you cannot get out of, but you know are difficult for you. That's when you need the accountability of your brothers and sisters as well. Now we can also learn a practical lesson from Matthew 4 and the temptation that Jesus faced as well. What did he do when he faced the temptation to sin? 
Well, you go back to Matthew 4, when the, when the devil enticed him to change the stones into bread, he went to the Word of God. He said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, God spoke. He declared that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus did not have to do what the devil was tempting him to do to prove who he was. God already spoke. You know, turning stones into bread would be no matter for Jesus. He multiplied five little barley loaves and two small fish into a massive feast. A, a simple miracle of turning stones into bread is nothing. And by the way, Jesus, you're hungry. You've been fasting. What's it going to hurt? Now, I'm not going to get into all the details of Matthew 4, but Jesus was doing what he was commanded to do. He was fasting as a means of preparing for the inauguration of his public ministry. Satan tempted him to violate what the Father had told him to do. But more importantly, Satan was questioning whether or not you can trust God's Word. If you are the Son of God, prove it, Jesus. Do something to prove that you're the Son of God. And Jesus says, no, because God has already spoken. You see the power in that? What God has declared in His Word is true. When we face temptation and enticed to sin, we can and we should pray the Word of God. And His Word will enable us to stand against the fall. But again, we must pray. Well, let me give you an example of something from God's Word that you can pray when you're tempted. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in the opening verses of that chapter, Paul reminds the readers of some of the experiences of their ancestors. And then in verse 11, he says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Know the Word of God. Read the Word of God and, and get to know Him, and you'll know yourself even better as well. Because he says, as he says in verse 12, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. The Word of God gives us many examples. Your ancestors that you have written in His Word that are examples to us and warnings of us to us, listen to them, read them, know about them. They stand as warnings and examples for us. But you cannot blame them for your sin. Oh, how our culture needs that today. We cannot blame institutions, structures of any kind for our sin. The popular one in our day is to blame racism on a systemic issue. There's a structure out there that is causing it, that is the problem of it, and you're part of the structure. No, the problem is, is sin in, the own, in your own heart. Is there depravity in your own soul? Deal with the sin in your own heart. Read the Word. Learn from your brothers and sisters in the past, but don't blame them. Learn from their sin. 
that you won't make the same mistakes as they made. And then look at verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, again, you look at your brothers and sisters in the past. Read the Scriptures. Your temptation is no different than their temptations. It's not something unusual and uncommon. It's very common. The testing and temptations that you face, your brothers and sisters are facing as well and have faced before. You can read about it. But we also need to see the character of our God. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Sin is not God's fault. He doesn't tempt you to sin. He doesn't cause your sin. Your sin is your fault. If we fall is because we did not know his word and did not recognize the ways of escape that he was faithful to provide. Temptation is not designed to make us fall into sin. It's designed to make us stronger. The Lord is faithful. He will hear our prayer. He will preserve his people as we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, lead us not into trials and temptations that we might fall but deliver us from the evil ones so that we will stand and grow more and more into the likeness of your Son. 